Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I'm ready. I'm ready for what God is doing. Have you brought your Bible? Two people. That's encouraging. Listen, I'm going to. Uh, I want to share something and close out this little message that, uh, or this little series that we've been looking at as a church. Wave at me if you've been with us the last few weeks. If you have missed um, any of the weeks, you can, now we do have cameras. We've got screens for those of you that are spread. We see people in cars, hello in the cars. We love you. And uh, people are spread out all across the place. We have cameras now so we can do, uh, we can put stuff online. And uh, so stay tuned, look out for all of that on YouTube and, and um, the different social media outlets. Also our podcasts um, via iTunes, you can check that out and catch up. But we've been looking at this, this thought Taken from Psalm 34, verse 8, that David wrote, and he said, Taste and see that God is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And the word blessed interpreted in scripture, it means to be level. And so we've been talking about what it is to actually build our life on the things of God. And we entitled this little series, Building Better. How many of you have been building better? We talked about the importance. The first week we talked about taste and see and how God has not called us to just come and just live off the scent of him, but the taste of him, speaking of a church and a people of God that would actually encounter God for themselves. Then we, then we talked about fix your foundation, that your foundation, the starting point for a life built better has to be a firm, confident revelation that you know that your God is good, that you know that your God is good. But the only foundation that will support that is not what God necessarily does, but a revelation of who God is. Because if my understanding of God being good is just based upon what God does, what happens when God does something that I don't like, then I question his nature. But if I actually build my life upon knowing who he is, I can trust in who he is despite maybe uncertainty regarding what he does. We talked about that last week. Last week, we talked about what it is to plan on purpose. That If you wanna build right, you've gotta build your life according to God's plans. And we talked about how the enemy also has a plan, but he doesn't get you with his plan. What he does is he lures you with a picture. That he lures you into a picture of the perfect life, a picture of what you think everything needs to look like. And that's how he gets you subtly living according to his plans. Today, I wanna share something that I think is so um, fundamental and, and important for all of us when it comes to building our lives better. Because it's, it's important that we understand that when we listen, I'm, I'm so mindful that we hear messages like this and we get pumped and we're like, okay, I'm gonna build my life better. But the reality is many of us are probably already in the phase of building our life. You're not 10, you're not 15, or if you are, that's great. Apply these to your life now. But the reality is many of you are probably living in certain areas of your life in the repercussions of where you were unable to or did not build your life right. And so we are left now with areas of our life where we would describe them as fragmented and broken. Now, it may not be your whole entire life, And if it is, then you've come to the right place. But maybe there are areas of your life, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be in your business, whether it be patterns that you seem to be living by that you can't seem to get yourself out of. Maybe it's addiction, maybe it's wrong mindsets, but there are certain areas of your life that you hear this message and you're like, Ben, I'm down, I get it, I wanna build better. But the reality is I wanna now, but I haven't always. 
And so I'm living with the consequences of perhaps not have built my life the way in which God wanted me to build it. So what I wanna do today as we finish this series, I wanna speak to that. And I wanna speak to and talk to you about the creative nature of your God that will actually take the broken pieces of your life and the broken areas of your life and He won't just discard them, He will actually use them. That you can be a part of this series and be encouraged all throughout this series, but then in the back of your mind, you're probably thinking of areas in your life that you feel guilty over and discouraged over because you didn't build it the right way. And now you're living with the broken pieces. You're gonna leave encouraged today in knowing that your God will work with the broken areas of your life. That there's hope. Doesn't matter how screwed up you might feel. Welcome to the club. We're all screwed up in one or two areas of our life. Maybe for many of us, multiple areas. But I wanna show you something. And what I'm gonna do today is is I'm gonna actually preach and I need you to stay with me. I'm gonna preach from two stories today in Scripture. And the reason why I'm using two stories is, is, is important when you read the Bible. One of the things that I try and do when I read the Bible is it's good to identify patterns. It's good to identify patterns. When I talk about patterns, it's certain things that seem to happen over and over again as you go through Scripture that give me an indicator as to the nature of how God works. Patterns. So I wanna show you today in Scripture, for sake of time, we're not gonna be able to read the stories out of Scripture. I'm gonna tell you where they are. I want you to write them down. Remember, taste and see that God is good. You're gonna get a sniff. I'm gonna give you a little to-go box, something to take home and look at tomorrow. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at two stories. I want you to write them down. If you've got your phone, punch them into your phone. And I want you to read these stories when you get home and this Word will come alive again for you tomorrow. I'm gonna give you some leftovers. I wanna show you the first story. It's in Ezekiel and it's chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And it's the story of a prophet, Ezekiel, who was called by God to rebuild a broken church. The church was screwed up at the time. The people of God were screwed up at the time. There were multiple areas of their lives that were an absolute mess. So much so, that, that Ezekiel was led by God to this vision that Ezekiel had where the way in which God depicted the state of His people was actually like dry bones. And Ezekiel had this vision of dry bones and God said to Ezekiel, my people are screwed up. This is the Bible according to Ben, just stay with me. God said to Ezekiel, my people are screwed up. They're like dry bones. Look around Ezekiel, see how bad it is. That's one story, Ezekiel. There's another story in Nehemiah. I want you to write it down, Nehemiah. And it's a story of a man, a man called Nehemiah that was given, that had a position of influence with the king, but his heart was stirred for his people. Again, another situation. See, I'm helping you identify a pattern. Nehemiah's heart was stirred. He was working as a cupbearer for the king and he had this great prominent position, but his heart was stirred for the state of the people of God. 
And so Nehemiah got permission from the king to actually go back to his hometown where the people of God were. And the Bible depicted and described the state of the people of God as being in ruins, in ruins. The walls of the city, walls in Scripture are so important. They signified strength. They signified authority. So this is, a, this is a picture of the people of God. You have one picture at one time in the Bible where the people of God were described as dry bones, a mess, screw ups, no life at all. Another picture of the Bible where it actually says with Nehemiah that when Nehemiah went to rebuild the walls, the evil king at the time, he had attacked the people of God so bad that the walls were in ruins. The people of God were in ruins and the king, the evil king, he started to mock Nehemiah. And he actually says to Nehemiah, and he says, what are you gonna rebuild those walls that we burnt down? And he says this phrase to him. He says, are you gonna try and rebuild the walls with burnt stones? Maybe this is the way in which the enemy speaks to you. You're gonna try and pull that marriage together with burnt stones and dry bones. You're gonna try and resurrect your thinking. You've been thinking like that all your life. You're gonna try and take those dry bones and change the way you think. You actually believe that preacher that you can make a decision to build your life better. And the devil says, that's great. But what about the dry bones and the burnt stones of your life? I wanna show you a pattern. And we see it in Ezekiel and we see it in Nehemiah where God strategically positions two men of God in the middle of horrible situations where the odds are against them. And God says to them prophetically, don't discard the dry bones because I will build something with dry bones and burnt stones. That the areas, the areas of our life that are dry, we wanna pretend they're not there. And that's a strategy of the enemy, especially in a society and a culture that we live in, in Orange County, where we are all serving the image of what looks perfect, of what looks great. We don't want anybody to see the dry bones. We'll go into debt trying to cover the dry bones. We'll get surgery after surgery to cover the dry bones. We'll keep just to get just to keep the picture up. But what God wants us to do is to bring the bones and the stones. That you need to be reminded that your God is not intimidated by the issues in our lives. His word doesn't say that his power is made perfect in my strength. It says his power is made perfect in my dry bones and my burnt stones. He says this same, I want you to see these patterns. These are patterns here. Ezekiel was taken, the Bible says, Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse one. He said, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and brought me to a valley. Brought him to a valley. And then in Nehemiah chapter two, I think it is, they're gonna put it up on the screen. It says the same thing. It said, Nehemiah, 
went to a valley. Two, two valleys. One valley had dry bones. One valley had burnt stones. What's the significance of a valley? A valley is so important for us to understand because more often than not, you'll find the greatest work that God does in our lives are not on the mountaintops, but they are in the valleys. That we don't wanna preach about valleys because we don't wanna experience valleys. But if you would embrace the valley, knowing that if God walked you to it, then God will bring you through it. In Exodus, there's this amazing moment in the story where the Israelites are being led out of Egypt. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18, this is this moment where the children of God, the people of God are about to be led out of Egypt. And the Bible actually says that there was a way that God, I'm paraphrasing, it'll come up on the screen, but it says God was leading the people. He was gonna lead the people a particular route. It was actually gonna be a lot quicker. But then it says God decided not to. He rerouted them because the Bible says there was war and it says, lest they lose heart. In other words, let me just get to what God was saying to them. He basically said to the Israelites, I could lead you this way, but you're not ready for it. So I'm gonna lead you another way. Why is that encouraging to us? You know what? It says to me that my God knows what He's doing. That if God wanted to reroute me around the valley, He would have. But if He's walking you to the valley, He's not walking you to the valley for you to stay there, but not that you would stay there, but that you would move through it. That there's something powerful that happens in the valley of burnt stones and dry bones. For many of you, it may be a valley of loneliness, waiting for that right spouse. For others, it may be a valley of depression, a valley of anxiety, a valley of unemployment, a valley of lack, a valley of addiction. But I wanna tell you, if God's allowed you to be led to it, then He will bring you through it. There's something about a valley that helps us grow. I remember a couple of years back, Caressa, my wife and I, we joined a gym in the area. They were doing like this deal. And so we got to join the gym. So we went down there and, you know, they walk you through it and, you know, whatever. They want you to like, you know, sign up and stuff. So we signed up to this deal they gave us on this gym. I remember when I first walked into this gym, I walk in there. I thought I was walking into a hotel. It was so nice. Right, I walk into the gym and it's laid out so nice. There's fresh flowers on the, not fake ones, fresh ones. And there's every, everybody was good looking, everybody. And they're all good looking. You walk in there and then you walk up and, and on the first floor, there was, there was the, all the reception area and then there was a restaurant. There's a restaurant in the gym. You could get sushi, that would make you a smoothie. You could get an omelet in the gym. Then they had these little refrigerators, little refrigerators with towels in the fridge, iced towels, cold, they smelt like eucalyptus. You can get a little towel. There were multiple levels of this gym. They had an outdoor pool with all of this swimming pool equipment that you could sit by. You could go to the gym and you could sit out beside the pool and order sushi and a smoothie. Doesn't stop there. They had a day spa at the gym. I'm not lying, people. Welcome to Orange County. There was a day star. You could go, you could get a shave, which I need. You could get a shave. You could get a massage. You could get a haircut. 
all at your visit to the gym. Let me tell you the problem with this gym. When I arrived at this gym, it was so nice. The last thing I felt like doing was working out. I didn't wanna work out. I wanted to go lay by the the pool, sip a little umbrella drink after a fresh haircut, eating sushi. Because there's something about comfort that is not very conducive to growth. That you need to understand that if you're gonna grow more often than not, the growth is not gonna happen in the mountaintop experiences, but often it'll happen in the valleys of burnt stones and dry bones. This is a pattern that I want you to see that your God does. This speaks to the creative nature of God that when we talk about building our life better, your God does not build with perfect prefabricated building blocks that were designed specifically for the building. Your God throughout Scripture has a history of taking dry bones and burnt stones and the broken, screwed up areas of people's lives and putting them back together and building something powerful lest we take glory for ourselves. So when they look at who we are, we point to who He is and say, if it was not for the good of God, I would not be here because He built me. He built me. I'm made of burnt stones and I'm made of dry bones. Is there anyone here that can wave to me and say, that's me, Ben. That's me. I know it looks good on the outside, but if you knew the dry bones of my story, if you knew the burnt stones that I'm sitting here in Orange County on a Sunday giving God praise, not because I'm so good, not because I'm so perfect, but because my God is good enough to do something with the broken areas of our lives. It says both stories, both stories for sake of time. You look at them, both of them said the hand of God came upon me. You're not gonna do it on your own. You're not gonna do it on your own. The hand of God came upon, it said the hand of God came upon Ezekiel and he brought me to this valley. And because the hand of God came upon me, I started looking at things different. In fact, God said to Ezekiel something that's so interesting. He said, Ezekiel, what do you see? Now, if I'm Ezekiel, I'm gonna say back to God, what do you mean, what do I see? You're the one that's gotta do this, not me. Why does God ask Ezekiel, what do you see? What He wants to do is in our lives, He wants to elevate our perspective. So when we declare something, it will be declared from a perspective that is kingdom and not earthly. That it would be something that we declared that would be full of faith and not fear. What do you see? What do you see? Same thing, same thing, the hand of God came upon Nehemiah, I want you to see, it's a pattern. This is how God works. Why is it so important for us to identify patterns? Go throughout the story, go throughout the story. They both had to go there. Ezekiel went there, God led him right down into the midst of the bones. Read it, you read Nehemiah. Nehemiah got up by night when no one else was around. And he went down to where it was, down to the broken part, down to the part where there was brokenness all around him. 
Why do I keep going back and forth? Because it's a pattern. And a pattern speaks to the nature of who your God is, which helps you identify how your God works. Because if you can identify and be encouraged by the patterns, then you look and you see if God did it that way with Ezekiel. And then God did it again with Nehemiah. And then when Samson was out in the desert and a thousand Philistines came up to fight him, that God didn't give Samson a sword or a spear. He gave that joker a jawbone of a donkey. You identify a pattern. Then you read about when Elisha died and they put Elisha in the grave and a dead man was laid on top of Elisha. The Bible says that when the dead man got on top of Elisha's bones, because if the bones are still there, then the promise is still alive. Don't discard the dry bones of your life because God will do something powerful with it. It's a pattern. Can you see it's a pattern? When they hung Jesus on the cross, the Bible said they ripped His flesh. They tore Him to pieces. They cut Him open. They plucked His beard. They beat Him. But there's one thing that they could not do. It says that not one bone was broken. He spares the bones. So important that Jacob said that when you go into the promised land, Take my bones with you. Take my bones with you. I'm showing you it's a pattern because so many of you look at your life and areas of your life and you would describe them as dry bones and you discard them. But I'm saying that if you'll bring the bones to God, God will use them. They may look like they suck to you, but they don't suck to your God. This is the ingredients that your God does supernatural things with is dry bones and is burnt stones. That maybe you haven't necessarily built right in your life. That your God, He's a creator. He's a creator. And He says, Bring Him. Bring Him. Bring this. Bring you. God, you want this. You want all of these insecurities that I spend so much effort and energy trying to cover up that nobody knows about. You're telling me you want me to get vulnerable and you want me to actually bring it to you? You're telling me this this addiction that I've kept hidden for years and years and years and my spouse doesn't even know. You're telling me to bring it? You're telling me not to hide these areas from you, but to bring them to you? Yes, because your God will build with the burnt stones and with the dry bones. That as we look across this series that we've been doing and we talk about building our life, that many of us haven't perhaps had the luxury to hear something like this early enough, that we cannot be discouraged that if it's a broken down marriage, a screwed up business, wrong patterns in our life, that it's dry bones and burnt stones that your God will build with. Both, both Nehemiah and Ezekiel were working with seemingly defective materials. I remember when I was 
when I was building. And uh, I remember I did a couple of weeks and I worked with this mason, a, a stone, a guy that laid brick. And he worked specifically with, with um, special, you know, unique styles of stone and brick. I remember this dude, the Holy Spirit reminded me of it as I was preparing. Keith can come. And uh, I remember because I, I was doing the cuts for him. So I would have, have the saw cutter there and I would do the cuts for him. This Joe, this was an, he was an old cranky old man, this guy. And he was a drinker. I mean, this cat would drink, bro. He'd be on at 10 a.m., have a little brown paper bag. I remember saying, it's 10 o'clock, what are you doing? He said this to me, he said, it keeps my hands steady. <laughs> I thought, dear Lord, what are we working with here? I remember he's laying stone and, and he was so particular. I remember him saying to me, I was cutting stone. If, if, if any of you know what I'm talking about, I mean, it's dangerous. You got that stone and you got this blade going. And he would say to me, lying off or lying on, which means the pencil line. If he wanted the line off, it meant he wanted me to cut that pencil line so he didn't see it. If he wanted the line on, it meant he wanted the line on. You're talking half a millimetre. There I was cutting. And I remember I would pick up these bits of stone. Each stone had a sort of different shape. But some of the stones, as I would pick them up, you know, I was, I was probably 20, 19, 20 maybe. And, you know, I was always messing around and, you know, just being silly with buddies. And every now and then, like I'd drop a stone and it would break. Or, or, or I would pick up a particular stone out of, out of the pallet and it, it was defective. So, so I'd just throw them in a pile. I'd just throw it in a pile over to the side. And this old, this old guy, he, uh, he's laying stone. I remember I'd been throwing the defective ones off to the side, thinking I was bust. We can't use that. Let's work with this pile. And I remember he'd come over to me and he's got his little brown paper bag. And he, he looks at me all cranky. He says, what's that pile there? And I said, oh, boss, they're, they're the screwed up ones. He looks at me and he says, never throw away a screwed up stone. And I said, he says, sometimes the ones that have the defective shape, sometimes the screwed up stone is the exact shape I'm looking for. And then as, I, as we kept working, he would get to a shape where he needed to fill his spot and he would go back to the messed up stones and he would start to look at them. And every now and then he would pick up one that was just, it had been dropped, it had been broken, but it was the perfect fit. Maybe. Maybe the stuff that you're throwing aside is the stuff that your Creator says, no, no, no. That's what I'm looking for. I need, I need, I need somebody that's gone through this and, and then took this hit here and somehow got through that one and felt like it was all gonna end there, but then somehow pieced it to get that, that, that right. Yep, that's gonna fit. Because it'll be that stone that'll give God praise. Remember what He said. If you don't praise Him, 
Who's going to praise Him? If you don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. And listen, I came here to tell you, don't discard the broken areas of your life because your God's a builder. He's a creator. You're talking about the God that took the stars and threw them in the sky and said, keep them there. That's how I want them. You're talking about a God that spoke the oceans, spoke the lands. And He said, that's how I want it. That's who He is. Whenever you go to a designer, an architect, and you go into their, their office. You know what more often they have? The, the, the real good, the real high-end designers and high-end architects that don't just throw up everyday homes, the ones that really work masterpiece homes. When you go into their office, more often than not, they have catalogs, catalogs of previous works they've done. You know what I'm talking about? You go in their office and you'll see a picture of this house that was built right by the ocean hanging over a cliff. And then you'll see this house that was built where they integrated this tree right into the middle of this courtyard. And then you'll see this house that was built from this stone that they shipped from the other side of the world. And then you'll see this house where they did it this way. And it's a catalogue of previous works. Do you know what your word is? It's a catalogue. It's, it's, it's a catalogue of how your God works and what He's capable of doing. So listen to me. When you start getting discouraged because you feel like the dream hasn't happened and you had something in your heart that you wanted to do for God and it seems like you're taking hit after hit after hit, you can get the catalogue and you can go to Genesis and you read about a dude called Joseph that had a dream. And his own brothers rejected him. And then he went through hit after hit and he was falsely accused. But then eventually he walked in your purpose or maybe you're here and you're getting discouraged. You're believing for God to give you a breakthrough in your marriage, a breakthrough in your family. You turn to the catalogue, you'll read about a lady called Hannah. This chick was up against it. She had this other girl that she was married back then. Two chicks would marry the same dude. It was screwed up. But listen, there was another lady, her name was Paniah, and she was giving it to Hannah because Hannah couldn't have a baby and she needed a breakthrough. And you'll read about how the Bible says that Hannah, when everybody was eating and everybody was hanging out, Hannah got up from where she was and she went to the temple because she said in your spirit, come hell or high water, I'm gonna get my breakthrough. And she started praying and the priest looked at her and said, you're drunk, you're drunk, you're nothing. She said, I'm not drunk, I'm just hungry for my breakthrough. And the priest said, as you have believed, it's granted to you. And even though the breakthrough didn't happen right in front of her, she had the faith to believe that God had done it in the spirit and what had been done in the spirit would become manifest in the natural and she walked out of there and got a breakthrough. You'll read about it. Maybe you're here and you think, Ben, Ben, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 70. I'm pushing 80. And I get it, bro. You're up there and you got the energy and you're yelling and screaming. But I'm on my last legs. I don't know what, what else God has got for me to do. 
Let me say one word to you, Caleb. You'll read about Caleb in Numbers. Caleb, he was 40. And he went out and he scattered the land. He saw something that he was gonna believe for. It was called a mountain. And then Caleb went through 40 years of walking through the desert. You thought your hips are bad. 40 years walking through the desert. Then amongst all of these young jokers that are fired up, ready to walk into the promised land and they're all excited. Comes ricketing through the middle of them. This 80 year old with busted up hips, hurting hands, arthritis in his knees, but a dream in his spirit. And the Bible says in Joshua, he looked at Joshua and Joshua said, hey, old boy, what do you want? And he said, give me that stinking mountain right there. And he still had to fight hell for it, but he got his mountain. I wanna tell you, if there's a heart still beating in your chest, there's still a purpose on your life. Don't tell me you're too old. Don't tell me God's done with you. You gotta read the catalogue, read the catalogue. It'll tell you about Samson. Samson screwed it up. And some of you are here and you're full of doubt and unbelief in regard to what God could still do because yes, you had the abortion. Yes, you messed up that marriage. Yes, you had that problem. Yes, you slept with Him. Yes, you did this wrong. But you'll read about someone named Samson. And he was sitting there and they gouged his eyes out. And he was sitting there. Previously, he'd had all the strength in the world. Now he's sitting there, a broken dude, feeling like he's got nothing left. But then the Bible says his hair started to grow back. His comeback was on its way. And the Bible said he did the greatest work that day than he'd ever done throughout his whole entire life. You read about a woman that was caught in the act of adultery and they were ready to stone her. And in comes Jesus. You read about a guy called Peter. I mean, Peter, Peter denied Jesus. He denied Him three times. And then he just felt like his life was such a screw up. So many bones, so many stones, I'm done. And he went back to fishing. He just defaulted back to what he knew because when we start to live the enemy's plan, we don't live by design, we end up living by default. And he defaulted back. And there he is out there fishing, thinking, man, I can't believe I screwed that up so bad. But then as he's on the boat, he looks up and there he is. Jesus, chilling on the beach. Listen, I read it again this morning because I wanted to get it in my spirit. Jesus doesn't mention the fact that Peter denied him. Jesus just says, hey bro, let's eat breakfast. That's your God. That's your God. That's how He works with the bones and the stones. He wants to heal. He wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to meet you where you're at. Will you bring Him the burnt stones and the dry bones? He's a builder, He's a creator. It's time to build better. It's time to build better. It's time to bring Him. It's time to get yourself 
in a, listen to me, in a community, in a small group, part of a church like this, this is important. A church that's okay if you bring them your dry bones and your burnt stones. Don't come in here, show up here, pretending like you've got that all together. We three see right through that crap real quick. Because the reality is all of us, all of us have got some burnt stones and dry bones somewhere. But so many of us go our whole life trying to keep it hidden and then wonder why we don't build what God has called us to build. You need to get in a small group. You need to surround yourself with the right friends, the right people that are okay. Okay with your bones and stones. They won't let you stay there, but they won't make you feel guilty for it. Pray it in. When we first got here, Cressa and I, six years ago, we didn't have hardly no friends. We prayed it in. I prayed them in. Two years every day I prayed in, right, good friends. Because you need it. There's safety in a multitude of wise counsel. That's why I'm not, I don't care about, and it's packed out and we've got people everywhere and it's amazing and it's great and I love what God's doing. But I know in order for you to build better, it's not about attending services, it's about getting disciples. Because that's what the Great Commission is. He didn't say go and have big services. Big services are great. Services are what we celebrate. We celebrate on Sunday what God did Monday to Saturday. You have opportunities at the end of this service to go over one of those connection tents. Say, I wanna get connected. Young adults that are here, you're in your 20s. Get in a small group. You got opportunities right now. I promise you, you talk to any person in this room that's 60, 70, 80, they'll tell you the same thing. Build good now. Build good now, bro. Build that marriage good now. Build your single life now. Build it strong. And we're gonna do something now as we finish this series. Listen, next week, part of the reason why I felt like God wanted me to preach on, on building better is because Often what we build determines what we see. So if, I'm build, if I built a single story home and I'm standing in that single story home, I have a perspective that is different to somebody that is standing in a 10 story home. Next week, we're gonna start something where I'm gonna start talking about our perspectives because there are things that I believe right now the church, the people of God need to have a better perspective on. God has called us to be strong, to be grounded and to be, have a kingdom perspective. That's why I haven't preached about, I haven't preached to the specifics of what's going on in our society. People have said, well, you know, why are we not preaching about anxiety? Why are we not preaching about racism? Why are we not preaching about fear? Why are we not preaching about all of the unrest? Because the best way to conquer the storm is to build a strong house. And if I can teach you how to build your house strong, it won't matter what the storm brings, you will still stand strong.
but you can get a heads up if you can see the storm coming and you can see what the enemy's trying to do. And we're gonna start that and we're gonna start to look at some stuff next week. But this is what I wanna do right now. You got a little wristband, I want you to get it. On, the, on, the, on your wristband that you got coming, coming through the door, it says, covered. And then it says Psalms 91. And this is what we're gonna do as a church. We're gonna, we're gonna cover or seal this little series. And what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna read. I want all of us right across this room or across this, whatever it is, we're in parking lot or something. Stand up. All of us, if you're standing with your spouse or your family or someone that you wanna date, hold their hand, helping you out, single people. Be careful who you stand next to. But what I wanna do right now is, is as we go, I wanna read Psalm 91 over us. And, and I want you to receive it. I want you to receive, remember it's the Word of God. I want you to receive it in your heart. I want you to receive it. Maybe some of you need to receive it for family members that are not here. I want you to receive this over your kids. I want you to receive this over your single life, over your married life, over your business, that we're covered because we're building right. says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste in noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. How many of you receive that? Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. We're gonna build better. No evil shall be for you, nor shall my plague come near your dwelling, for He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. These are good verses. In their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon lions and cobras, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. God's given you victory by Jesus Christ's Name because He has set His love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver Him. I will set Him on high because He has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honour Him. With long life, I will satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. Lord, right now in Jesus' Name, we receive it. We receive the promise of God over our life. 
We receive this, Lord God, over our families, over our marriages, over our single people right now, that we are covered according to Your Word, that the blood of Jesus is covering us, that Your hand is upon us, that our steps are ordered by You, that there is no weapon formed against us will prosper. It may come, but it won't prosper. He may show up, but it won't prosper. We may face it, but it won't prosper. Lord God, Your Word tells us that when the enemy comes one way, He will flee seven ways. God, I thank You that in times when we grow weary, that we will not grow weary in well-doing. Lord God, that You will mount us up with wings as eagles. I declare it now in Jesus Christ's Name. I declare out right now over every person here that we are people of the Spirit, that we live according to the Spirit of God, empowered by Your presence. I declare, Lord God, the Comforter and the Counselor He's gonna surround us. When no one else, we feel like no one else is with us. You are with us, You guide us, You direct us, You go before us. You make a way where there seems to be no way and You will give us victory in Jesus Christ's Name. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. 